First in our Bill of Rights is the freedom to hear uncensored ideas and opinions, to think your own thoughts, and to say what's on your mind. We couldn't have liberty without it. Now, more than ever, it's good to spout off, to listen, debate, and participate. Here's your host of Spouting Off, commentator, columnist, and all-around rabble-rouser, Karen Cataline. Well, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, whenever you're listening to Spouting Off. If you're listening live, it's Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern, uh, and that is at WSMN.live. I'm your host, Karen Cataline. Such a pleasure to have you along with us. And um, occasionally I get a tip on a great guest, and I love passing those tips around to my talk show host friends in various odd places. But this tip was so wonderful that I decided to defer my monologue because, you know, I can spout off a lot. But this next gentleman has so much to offer us. I thought we would uh, have him on for two segments and have him on we we do. He is on hold right now. He is Lieutenant Colonel, U.S. Army retired, Jeffrey F. Atticott. He's a full professor of law and the director of the Warrior Defense Project in St. Mary's University School of Law in San Antonio, Texas. An active duty Army officer, and I got to tell you this so you know who it is we're talking to, about here, in the Judge Advocate General's Corps for 20 years. Professor Atticott spent a quarter of his career as the senior legal advisor to the United States Army's Special Forces and internationally recognized authority on national security and terrorism. Um, and he, has, he is not only an author, author and written uh, and given thousands of speeches, a regular contributor uh, to Fox News, we're not so crazy about Fox News, but you know what? That's all right. MSNBC, OAN, CNN, PBS, New York Times, Washington Post, all of the big boys propaganda or not. He's done 5,000 plus interviews and published over a hundred books, articles, monographs, and a variety of legal and policy issues. His most recent book just came out 2023 is entitled Christian Doctrines. Professor Jeffrey Atticott, such a pleasure to have you here on Spouting Off. Hey, it's a great pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I don't, I don't blame you. That is some resume. <laughs> you could have taken a nap there for all. <laughs> anyway, it is really good. Yeah, it is really, really good to have you, and so much to talk about. The first thing I want to talk about is this Warrior Defense Project. Tell us about that and, and how you are involved in it and what you do uh, for this organization. Yes, uh, as you mentioned, I'm a full-time law professor in San Antonio, Texas, and I've uh, held that position for 20 years. I'm also the director of the Warrior Defense Project, which is a center that I founded. Um, and I, what we do is we provide free legal services to soldiers that have been wrongfully accused of misconduct and the performance of their duty. So that means, first of all, they got to get past my BS meter that they're actually innocent or been grossly punished, and then I will, uh, you know, represent them. We've done court martials, administrative hearings, um, you know, testimony before Congress. I've done three amicus briefs to the Supreme Court in that capacity. So, uh, you know, we we uh, we're the only law school in the country that actually does that. Other law schools will, you know, provide limited services to veterans to help fill out their taxes and do. VA forms, but we actually, you know, get into the fight in court martials and, and arm wrestle with the Department of Defense on a variety of issues. Hmm. Professor, it, it doesn't take a genius for most of us who are observing and watching to know that there is growing animosity for people in our military, particularly the ones that take their oath, the oath that they took when they became uh, uh, a service person. They take their oath seriously and love our country. There seems to be greater animosity coming 
even within our own government. Are there more of these cases that you've seen over the years than ever before, or is it just our imagination? Well, you know, the, the military justice system works about 95% of the time, you know, having been a JAG officer for 20 years, but there's that perfect storm where it doesn't work. And at the bottom line, when you see cases that go awry, it's usually an issue of human power loss. Somebody in a position of power is, you know, has done something wrong, they want to blame it on somebody else, or they want to advance their own career, and uh, or it's just a perfect storm of miscommunication. So... Uh, but it's true that our military is under great strain right now. There's no question about it. Objectively, uh, we can see that the Army has is, is not been able to meet their recruiting goals uh, since the Biden administration came into power. And it's a voluntary force. So, you know, we have to look at the reasons why people don't want to join the military. And, of course, we see across the board that, uh, you know, the issue of patriotism in this country has collapsed uh, from what, what it was just two decades ago or uh, even 10 years ago. Yes. Well, I have a friend whose son is uh, about to leave the Army, and he sent his mother a video of the kind of training they're having to go through. And not a big surprise, transgender agendas going throughout the military, training people in how to handle transgender military personnel and really indoctrinating the military in all manner of things that have nothing to do with what at least we used to think was the role of the military. Uh, have you seen that and are you seeing oh, yeah. people who yeah. are yeah. squawking and about it? That's one of the reasons people aren't joining because you know, folks that don't share that worldview about you know, critical race theory or you know, the climate crisis uh, or transgenderism or wokeism, they're just not joining. You know, why mm. subject myself to, uh, you know, a belief system that I do not believe in? And uh, yeah, the, the the military is supposed to, you know, to uh, unify individuals. And when I was in the military, we didn't really distinguish between classes and segments and and pit this person against that person. We were all, you know, trained to be one team, one fight, which means there really is no individuality. You know, we don't care if you're an adulterer or heterosexual or homosexual. Uh, just keep it to yourself, and we're going to go do our training. But now it, it, the world is turned upside down, and under this administration, they emphasize social experimentation in a, in a, in a realm where it really has no place. Yeah. And we're obviously seeing that seep through in just about every sphere of influence in this country, uh, from sports to beer to uh, shopping, you name it. Uh, when I spoke to you off air, and I had the pleasure of getting uh, talking to you a little bit, I asked you if you had defended anybody in the military who refused the jab, and you said yes. Could you tell us a little more about that? Uh, yes, several several uh, military personnel of, of different, uh, you know, Air Force, Army, Marines. Uh, you know, one of my notable clients was a, a doctor by the name of Sigaloff, and you can Google his story. Um, he, uh, you know, when this all started, uh, the the DoD mandated that all military personnel would have to get a shot. Uh, and so, at first, uh, many people objected and said, "Well, it, it's it's still an experimental drug." And then when they you know, ran it through a fast track, and they said, well, okay, it's no longer experimental, quote-unquote. Um, there was a lot of public outcry, so the military came up with two exemptions. One, a religious exemption. If, you know, if you can show that getting the shot would be against your religious beliefs, we'll give you an exemption, you don't have to take the shot. Or a medical exemption, where your doctor gives you a piece of paper and says that it'll probably do you more harm than good based on your preconditions that you have. So Dr. Sigaloff is, uh, you know, was a, a major... Uh, in the army, uh, he was a well-respected doctor, and a couple of patients. He looked at them and evaluated them and, and said, "Well, in my opinion, they've requested a medical exemption. I'm going to grant." Well, as soon as he did that, the whole world um, uh, professor, could you? This is all I know to do. We're, we're you're kind of breaking up. So could you stand near a window and <laughs> find a window <laughs> to yeah, stand there? Let me get near a window. So I'm okay. sorry we're breaking up. Let me let me get That's there. Good. Get over here. Um, so yeah. anyway, Dr. Sigaloff, um, yeah. he, uh, he, you know, he provided that exemption, and uh, he was relieved for cause, which means you'll never be promoted. And then he also, uh, you know, was uh, 
put in a, in a duty in the basement, basically, and then the military went after his licensing credentials, so when he leaves the military, he'll never be able to practice medicine. Uh, and, and he was simply following what the DOD allowed him to do, but that was the secret handshake. You're, you know, we're going to put these exemptions out, but we don't want anybody to, you know, to grant them. And as you know, with the religious exemptions, I mean, one out of 100,000 was granted. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but that's about the, 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 you know, the ratio. No, nobody got exemptions. And, of course, now we find out uh, with, with the truth about the COVID, you know, so, many, so much disinformation was put out by the government and by Dr. Fauci. You know, if you, if you get the shot, you won't get the COVID. That wasn't true. If you get the shot, you won't spread the COVID. That wasn't true. Uh, everybody needs to have the shot, including babies. That wasn't true. Uh, young people, you know, really were not at risk. It was the people with comorbidities. But it was like, you know, it, it, was, it was a very strange time where nobody seemed to listen to any dissenting medical opinions or reason or anything. And so many soldiers were forced out of the military, uh, you know, with bad discharges because they refused to take the shot. And intolerance for dissent has only grown like a virus, hasn't it? Um, yeah, you know, I hope it, we've it, learned from this that, uh, uh, you know, the government not is learning. not omnipotent. They don't know everything. Uh, <laughs> well, and, and uh, there may be maliciousness <laughs> Happening. Well, I always go to the um, money. Uh, I mean, if you look at, you know, off track a little bit, but it, you'd follow the money, you'll find the truth. So when you have a product that the government guarantees that the, that the manufacturer cannot be sued and the government is going to, uh, you know, strong-arm people to take the shot, well, everybody's making money. They, the, but isn't the people it that make suspicious the shots are money, uh, that the they would... The, isn't it the, suspicious, the CDC, Professor? Dr. That Fauci is lining his pockets. He's making money. Yeah. They're all making money. So the more people you can get the shot the more money they make, and you can't be sued. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty sweetheart deal. And uh, so I generally, you know, being a cynic, uh, I always, you know, look for the money, and you usually find uh, mm. the rest of the story, which, as Paul Harvey said, is where the truth <laughs> is. It pays to be a cynic these days, and um, uh, you have to be suspicious about how, why they would exempt people in the first place. Um, I am so glad that you've agreed to stay with us. Stay near that window. We want one more segment with uh, Lieutenant Army Colonel, retired Jeffrey Atticott, professor of law. Uh, And we'll talk to him about foreign policy right after this. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Spouting Off with Karen Cataline will return in a moment. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, inventor of MyPillow. Thanks to your support, you've helped make MyPillow become one of the fastest growing companies in America. Over the last 12 years, you've helped MyPillow create thousands of jobs right here in the USA. Every MyPillow is made with passion here in my home state of Minnesota to ensure you get the best sleep of your life. One of the things that I really like about MyPillow is the support. It gives my neck a little hug. I've never slept better in my life. What's better than a great night's sleep. Call or go online to take advantage of my best offer ever. For a limited time, when you use your promo code, you can get premium my pillows regularly $69.98, now only $29.98. With our 60-day money-back guarantee, you have nothing to lose. Sleep well, America! Call 1-800-867-0416 and use the promo code RAM, R-A-M. That's 1-800-867-0416 and use the promo code RAM. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. Your daughter doesn't want to talk about why her room is a horrible mess. Your son doesn't want to talk about why he's wearing mismatching socks. Your spouse doesn't want to talk about their bad haircut. (gasps) Families don't have to talk about everything, but they should talk to plan for an emergency. Pack basic supplies in a go bag, water, canned food, flashlights, batteries, medical supplies, IDs, and some cash. Talk about where you'll meet in case you lose one another. And of course, don't forget to pack the dog treats. Talk to your family and make an emergency plan. Go to nyc.gov slash readyny or call 311 to make your family's emergency plan. Brought to you by New York City Emergency Management and the Ad Council. 
The Reading Foundation provides evaluation and tutorial programs based upon the Orton-Gillingham philosophy of learning, based upon the study of language, how children acquire language, and the mechanisms involved in learning. All the learning pathways of the brain, visual, auditory, kinesthetic, and tactile, are addressed and strengthened to build a strong foundation for the acquisition of reading skills. If you are interested in learning more, please contact the Reading Foundation for more information. The Reading Foundation is at 10 Northern Boulevard, Unit 19, Amherst, New Hampshire, 03031. Or you can email us at readingfoundation underscore rf at yahoo.com. And of course, you can call anytime at 603-882-0992. The Reading Foundation, Amherst, New Hampshire. Karen Cataline got her parents to name her Karen before she was born, so she could grow up to be a punchline. Now here's more Spouting Off with Karen Cataline. Welcome back, everyone, to Spouting Off. It is such a pleasure and a privilege to do this show, Spouting Off Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern. As you know, we have our guest host, Steve Knoxon. He'll be on Friday uh, this week at 1 p.m., and you'll want to stay tuned for his edition of Spouting Off. I guess we're branching out, aren't we? Well, we are delighted to have for one more segment Lieutenant Colonel Jeffrey Atticott, He's also a professor of law at the direct, and the director of the Warrior Defense Project at St. Mary's University School of Law in San Antonio, Texas. Thanks for standing, staying on the line, Professor. We so appreciate your time. Are you there? Uh, we'll get him in a moment, I hope. Can you, can you hear me now? Ah, yes, there I can we hear go. you now. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, I, I did want to add one final thought to our previous segment. Please. Um, because as a, my legal mind always goes to the premise of any argument. So mm -hmm. with the pandemic, the premise was that it was a pandemic. But when you have a fraction of 1% of people that are, you know, that are dying of, uh, you know, of these maladies, that's not a pandemic. By definition, that is not a pandemic. Uh, it's tragic, and every you know, life is precious. But, you know, that's part of the human condition. We're all riding a death train, and uh, all of us have to get off at some point. But it was never a pandemic because it doesn't qualify under a logical definition because of the death rate. You know, it's a terrific point. And, Professor, let's stay with that for a minute because you have a legal mind, and it goes to the premise. My, my mind, even though it is speculation, you've got, I think, one has to, and many, many people have asked themselves, when you're lied to for another agenda, when anyone asking questions or dissenting is persecuted and demonized for asking those questions, when you see what could be the ulterior motive, or just like juries, when they're asked to look at, uh, you know, uh, I always like using those legal legal questions because juries are told if 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 a witness is uh not credible then you have a right to count to discount all of their testimony and in this case people are concluding that they're putting forth an agenda and ignoring any incoming evidence for example the vax was neither safe nor effective and yet they're still pushing on people they're still advertising it. They can't give it away. So my question is, how do you, without still being fair-minded, saying, wait a minute, I think there is a whole other motive here for pushing this experimental vaccine on 300-plus million people. What say you? 
Well, if you look at the statistics, you know, we have uh, individuals that identify as conservatives and other people identify as uh, people on the left. And the states that that are basically predominantly on the left, they were all in on closing and shutting down everything. The states that were predominantly conservative, the red states, uh, you know, at first they were saying, wow, this might be a pandemic. And, you know, they gave Mm -hmm. it the the initial, uh, you know, what if. But then when they discovered, uh, you know, the truth about masks don't really work and, and all the disinformation, they decided to open up. Uh, So it really, in a bigger picture, it's about individuals that believe that the state should control everything from your water heaters to Mm -hmm. your, you know, but they have to have, they have to have, when they control people, they have to have a battle cry. So the COVID-19 was a battle cry to, you know, exercise control, and the blue states basically gobbled it up. And of course, we're seeing the crisis climate now is another battle cry for the government to take draconian action to tell you what to do, how to do it, when to do it, and where to do it. And of course, we need a balance between the administrative state because we do have to have some controls because a lot of people are dishonest and they will, they're crooked capitalists, I call them, and they will, they need regulation to a degree. But there's that balance between freedom and authority. Uh, Absolute freedom is anarchy, of course, but absolute authority is tyranny. So, you know, you have to have a balance between the two. But you've got to have people that have some common sense uh, in control of the government. Yeah. And I think uh, that's what we're going to see, hopefully, in the next election. God uh, people willing. that understand, you know, what the country's founded on. And thank goodness we have 50 states and we weren't one unified, uh, you know, system like France or, or, or Britain where there is no autonomy. So the states have certain autonomy and they exercise that in the red states. I would argue that control was the motive. And as we move closer and closer to communism, things that we never thought we'd ever see in America, including trying to elevate the notion that the First Amendment free freedom of speech is passe and doesn't really matter anymore, when, when you're trying to turn a free country into a tyrannical one, well, it's so easy to create a need in order to say, see, we have to take away your rights. I think most people after three and a half years of watching this, have many, many people have figured out that that was the motive all along. That's what I think. Um, yeah, I mean, the, 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 the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, in, in the minds of many people, are, are impediments to their desire uh, yes. for, you know, a one system and a, a government that basically will tell you what to do uh, you know, take away your freedoms, and that's what the founders put in there. You know, when freedom of speech is based on consensus, there is no freedom of speech. So I protect, you know, people that have different opinions than my own. I respect them. Uh, I don't persecute them. It's called tolerance. Uh, but that's in many cases, tolerance. they don't want to return the favor to, uh, <laughs> to folks that differ from right. their opinions. In the name of tolerance, that's how uh, the radical left has become intolerant and been able to persecute people. But you know what? Uh, I love these philosophical discussions, but I want you, if you would, you have, you have quite a bit to say and a lot of background to back it up about the, you, the war in Ukraine. So I'm going to just give you a broad berth and, and sure. what do we need to know about that? And why were we instructed to be so pro-war? Even the radical left... I don't see any anti-war people on the left fighting uh, the war in Ukraine. What's really going on there? Yeah, I've been to Ukraine eight times, uh, and that's another story, but I'm very familiar with the country. Uh, Basically, uh, on the eastern part of Ukraine, they're Russians, ethnic Russians, all in Crimea, uh, all the places that the Russians are occupying right now. Basically, they're majority Russian. Um, And before uh, Putin invaded Ukraine, which is illegal, uh, but before that happened, there was a civil war going on in Ukraine in the eastern provinces. They wanted to break away, secede from Ukraine, and join Russia. Uh, Ukrainians were not allowing that, of course, because power never was to give up power. So that backdrop is real. Those are factual uh, considerations. Uh, the Russians thought they could you know, come in and do an easy knockout blow. That didn't work. They've now retrenched, and they're firmly in control of those eastern provinces. And the bottom line is all the propaganda and all the money that we have seen poured into Ukraine, uh, Russia will not be defeated. It's not going to happen. 
And so the news media and the administration and Republicans, Democrats, they all have this never-never idea that they're going to defeat Russia. It's not happening. The Ukrainian military is being bled dry. Uh, two weeks ago, a Ukrainian commander, a senior commander, said, uh, you know, the end game is coming very soon because we have no replacements. The Russians have unlimited replacements. The Ukrainian military is, is, is you know, again, they're being bled dry. They've lost well over 100,000 dead and wounded, and they just don't have the men, the manpower to fill the ranks. And all the counteroffensive, we were told last year, all the counteroffensive is going to drive the Russians out, and victory is there. Didn't happen. Then it was a spring counteroffensive. Just need to get a couple more billion dollars. Didn't happen. Then the summer counteroffensive, not happening. You are not driving the Russians out. We need to have a settlement. In fact, there were two settlements that were proposed between uh, Zelensky and Putin, but the Biden administration nixed both of them. Uh, so this idea that you're going to defeat Russia, it will never happen. And I don't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat, you're living in never-never land. The Russians, my latest book actually is Union Terror, and the mm -hmm. Russians are doing the same tactic that Lincoln did to defeat Robert E. Lee. They just keep feeding more and more people into the, into the battle in 1864. Lee had no replacements. The Union had unlimited soldiers. Uh, the newspapers called Grant, Grant the Butcher. Uh, but he knew that he could keep losing battles with Lee longer than Lee could keep winning, and that's ultimately how the Union won the war. They just bled them to death. That's what the Russians are doing. You are not going to defeat the Russians. It's not going to happen, and people need to wake up to that. We're wasting billions of dollars, and plus Ukraine is not a democracy. This talk that we're going to let them into NATO, uh, they don't have the attributes of a democratic society. I hope they do one day, but they're not there. And we're toying with World War III. We're toying with a country that has 6,250 nuclear weapons. That's Russia. We have about 5,500. And one misstep, one unintended consequence, and nuclear weapons could go off. This is, we need to have a settlement. And that settlement is probably going to be something where the Russians are going to keep some of the territory in Ukraine that's predominantly Russian. That's just reality. That's the way it is. Professor, first of all, thank you so much for your clarity and taking a position. Sometimes I get guests who don't always take a position. Uh, let's go back to motive again, because what we're seeing in this country, I don't believe any of it is accidental. If you wanted to destroy a country, America, you would be doing everything that is being done to us today in the name of uh, whatever. I don't know what the name of it is, but uh, I don't think there are any accidents today. So what could possibly be the reason that an administration, which I believe is somebody else is calling the shots because the presidential potted plant, I doubt, is, to deplete our own military assets in a totally losing endeavor while whipping up a frenzy of war, uh, being pro-war here in America, and never seeing, now they got cluster bombs, they've never seen a, a no in any of this. What could possibly be the motive for that? Are they diverting money to other places, or what? I would say, again, money and incompetence, uh, because all the munitions that are, that are being guaranteed and produced Private companies are producing those munitions, so it's to their benefit for the war to continue because they make more money. And many of our previous presidents, Eisenhower, warned about that. Um, and it's very interesting that... The military-industrial you know, complex. Yeah. So right. they're making a lot of money. Uh, we call them Beltway Bandits. There's a lot of retired generals that are around there. Mm. Um, and they know that the Russians are winning. In fact, that leak... Remember that National Guard uh, individual that... Uh, was able to hack into our security systems and, and steal mm. a lot of data. Well, the news media talked about how bad that was, but they never really concentrated on what the data said. And one of the data uh, bundles was from the Pentagon itself, and they said, yeah, the Russians are going to be defeated. The Ukrainians are getting their, their butts handed to them. But nobody seems to care. They just keep, these generals keep coming on TV, on Fox News and other channels, uh, and say, oh, we're going to win. It's just around the corner. We just need to give them more jets, more this, more that, more that. No, it's not going to happen. They don't seem to care uh, whether America are, can, can are, defend. Are either incompetent or yeah. they simply like to see themselves on TV. I don't know. <laughs> they don't seem to care, Professor, Russia. whether it's not going to happen. Whether America can defend herself. 
That's what yeah. we're worried well, about here. Uh, I think incompetence is also a huge factor. If you're oh. a student of history, you'll see, you know, you'll scratch your head and you'll go, what? Uh, a lot of it is incompetence, just plain incompetence. Okay. They don't yeah. know what they're doing. Many people in administration, in my opinion, they're not qualified to run the shoe department <laughs> at Penny's, let alone try to manage a withdrawal from Afghanistan. So There's another hard. incompetence. So and so the incompetence we saw in Afghanistan is simply carrying over to all the foreign policy that we're seeing yes. right now. And everyone's ignoring China in the administration. They treat them as a competitor. They're exactly. not a competitor. They're an adversary. I apologize for having to switch subjects here. We have only, this has gone so quickly, I could talk to you for another hour or two. I am going to recommend you to several of my friends as a guest. Please talk about your book, uh, your latest book, Union Terror. I was going to talk about Christian doctrines, but Union Terror. And uh, where can people get it? Uh, sure. Give us a little well, what, I, it, what I did our appetite. Christian doctrines today, but that book is not for sale. Uh, I, I oh. run a Bible study at the law school, and we use that uh, as a study guide. If, if anybody wants one, I'll be happy to send them one for free. Union mm. Terror is on Amazon. It's $20, um, and it covers all the disinformation that we are exposed to in our history classes about, uh, you know, the Union's policy of terrorizing civilians. That's kind of swept under the rug. But in 1864, Lincoln authorized, and I've got it heavily researched, through Grant, through Sherman, and other Union generals, they intentionally targeted women and children, burned down their homes, killed all their animals. And these are black Southerners and white Southerners. They didn't discriminate against anyone, rich and poor. Uh, their theory was that we're going to terrorize the civilians so that they will stop the war if the end justifies the means. It's, the book goes into great detail about the justifications that so-called historians used to excuse what the Union did. Uh, for example, when Sherman marched across Georgia, he said in his own words, well, my army had to live off the land. An absolute lie. When he left Atlanta to go to Savannah, it's a 30-day march. He took along with him 2,500 brand-new wagons, stuffed with enough supplies to feed all his men for the entire 30 days, and he took along 10,000 cattle to feed his army. He didn't need to take a single uh, grain uh, a kernel of coin from any of the civilians, and yet he spread out his army in a 60-mile swath and burned and pillaged and did other depredations that are that I don't want to shock your readers with, but read the book. Yeah. It's all there, all factual. Where do we get it's, it? It's We've got to wrap it up. How can people find you, uh, contact you, and get that book? Uh, well, the book's on Amazon. Uh, you know, Go to Amazon Books, Union Terror, and uh, you can order it there. Uh, Again, I'm, you. Uh, you know, I'm at St. Mary's University School of Law. There's an email there if you go to that website. Yes. Um, be happy to communicate right. with, with individuals if they want to uh, learn more about our Warrior Defense Project. Send them information. Thank you. You're a wealth of information, and we appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Karen. That's, that's Professor Jeffrey Atticott. When we come back, we'll have a reporter from the Epic Times. Don't go away. You're listening to Spouting Off. I'm Karen Catalina. Spouting Off with Karen Cataline will return in a moment. We are being censored. America's news outlets no longer provide the truth. 90% of news outlets in the United States are controlled by six corporations. They're not out to tell you the truth of what's happening. They're out to tell you the picture of the world that they represent. The mission of the Epoch Times is to chase the truth, to ground all statements and facts, and prevent people from being misled. The Epoch Times is independent. We're not controlled by any special interest, and we never will be. This is a battle, a battle between truth and deceit, a battle between forces that would ensnare this country in ignorance, and between a media that wants to present you with the truth. Subscribe today to our digital edition at theepochtimes.com and join the Americans who are seeking truth and tradition. Read the difference in all your devices. We'd love to have you on board. Are you tired of the same old snacks? Looking for something a little healthier than that bag of chips or candy bar? Even your average bag of trail mix these days is little more than peanuts, raisins, and candy-coated chocolate. Not very healthy, is it? Allow me to introduce you to White Mountain Munchies. Made from 100% all-natural ingredients, 
White Mountain Munchies combines unique flavors with nutritional value that will tingle your taste buds and strengthen and sustain your overall health and wellness. Eating good never tasted so good. From Maggie's Maple Madness to Hannah's Heavenly Harvest, Grayson's Getaway Goodies, and our limited edition Christmas blend, Jacoby's Jolly Jumble, White Mountain Munchies offers nutritious and delicious snacks that the whole family is sure to love. Pick yours up now through our easy-to-use online store at whitemountainmunchies.com. White Mountain Munchies, non-GMO when you're on the go. Hi, it's Karen Cataline. It's been almost a decade since I wrote Fatlash Food Police in the Fear of Thin. It's about my early experiences in child beauty pageants and being put on extreme diets. Remember when that was shocking? Sadly, that seems like child's play compared to what we are watching today when politicians and woke corporations are actually advocating for the sexualization of children. Everyone's children. We're watching a frontal attack on childhood innocence. This is one story, my story. Fat Lash illustrates and explains why good boundaries are essential for kids to grow up healthy. They need their parents to set them, not the government. Get Fat Lash today. It's available in paperback or ebook at Amazon or at my website, KarenCataline.com. Karen Cataline got her parents to name her Karen before she was born so she could grow up to be a punchline. Now here's more Spouting Off with Karen Cataline. Welcome back, everyone, to Spouting Off. I'm your host, Karen Cataline. Well, every Thursday we have the good fortune and pleasure of having a reporter from the Epic Times, and today is that day. And we've not spoken to this lovely person before, Dr. Sina, I hope that's the way you pronounce it, Sina McDonough, health reporter for the Epic Times. Uh, and uh, welcome to Spouting Off, Dr. McDonough. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. It's really good to have you. And and your your first name is Sina, right? Yes, it's Dr. Sina McCullough. Oh, McCullough, because they told me McDonough. Well, we're going to just have to change that. McCullough, <laughs> very good. Well, there are a couple of famous Dr. McCulloughs as well um, uh, talking about the vax. But you know a whole lot about herbs. And uh, in the current environment, people are having to be a lot more uh, uh, self-directed in taking care of their health because they don't trust, thank God, some of the things that, that used to be a given. You know, listen to your doctor. Do what your doctor says. It doesn't matter. Just listen. They're God. You know what? Doctors aren't God anymore. And so people are looking to alternative methods and herbs to um, take care of their health. Talk about that because a lot of people are very, very interested in this. Me too. Yes, and I am one of those people, actually. I got debilitatingly sick. I actually almost died from oh. an advanced stage of an autoimmune disease. And mm. I went to the Western medical doctors for help for over 20 years. Um, had so many tests done, I lost count. They had no answers for me except prescription medication which even when I started my health journey in my 20s, I knew the medications would just mask the symptoms, right? They weren't going to actually cure me of the sickness. So um, I eventually found my own way. I figured out how to reverse the disease that I had. And part of the method that I used to reverse that disease was using herbal medicine. So um, I did try some prescription drugs in the beginning, like antibiotics, for instance, because I just didn't know any different. And mm -hmm. I ended up having really bad reactions to them. Mm -hmm. And so, and then as I learned more about the medical industry and the food industry, I began to trust them less and less. Um, and mm -hmm. I just wanted to use all natural um, products. So I did learn more about herbalism. I became a master herbalist. 
And now it's all we use, you know, in our medicine cabinet. Um, we cook with it wow. daily. And that's what inspired me to write this herbal first aid kit series for Epoch Times um, uh-huh. is because I want to share this. You know, I'm a, I'm a research scientist, um, Ph.D. in nutrition, and what I did was I looked through the scientific literature for validation. You know, I was not raised with herbs. I was raised with Western medicine, so this was new for me. And you would not believe what I found. There's over 100,000 studies published in the scientific literature that validate that these ancient remedies work. The spices and herbs, they work to not only combat chronic diseases, but also acute illnesses. Um, Mm. And actually, about 80% of the world's population still uses herbal remedies, right? We just don't largely hear. We have the pharmaceutical industry, right? So in Western Mm. medicine, we don't, we kind of poo-poo them, right? (laughs) But... But but their efficacy has been substantiated um, by science, um, you know, going back decades of research, but even recent findings. I mean, there's a study published more recently that chicory root can fight COVID, right? Oh, I mean, you're wow. not going to hear that on the evening news, right? But we have this. Uh, they don't even the like ivermectin, <laughs> let alone chicory yeah. root, <laughs> right? Yes, yes, yeah. exactly. I mean... We have dandelion, right? Most of us grew up, I know I did, my parents would spray the yard with Roundup and try to kill that dandelion, you know, so invasive. Dandelion has actually been shown through studies to kill pancreatic cells, and it will selectively target the cancer cells, unlike radiational chemo, right? Which, in part, you get sick from that because it's, it's killing off cancerous cells, but also your healthy cells. So dandelion can target cancer cells. It can actually break down kidney stones, lower blood pressure. It can help balance your microbiome, right? How, how many of us now are so aware of the microbiome, especially in the gastrointestinal tract, and how all these diseases um, have a root from a dysbiosis in your GI tract? Well, dandelion can help you rebalance that. It's also been shown to help reverse um, diabetes, for instance. So there's this whole new world out there of these natural plants that are um, efficacious and they have very little side effects to them. So I I just love them. (laughs) (laughs) I can tell and I love your passion. Um, I... uh, First off, I just want to mention, I think the... uh, We are watching uh, off-the-scale advertising by pharmaceutical companies today they are offering these drug after drug after drug after drug for diseases and conditions we've never even heard of before. Um, And with the complete disaster of the jab, we were talking about it a bit in the previous segment, um, I think people are more suspicious than ever. It is as if the pharmaceutical company uh, companies have taken over practically television advertising. I've never seen so much of it in my life. And the side effects sometimes are the exact thing you're trying to treat. Yes. Or they're often worse. Well, yeah. (laughs) Yes. I was listening to an ad the other day for a pharmaceutical drug, and it literally said one of the side effects was death. I was like, what? You know what? what? I saw that. Why would I take that? Yeah, yes. yeah, but yes. but you know the uh, the the, and we have people saying things like, yeah, but it it uh, the good outweighs the bad, so take it anyway. <laughs> Just yes. take it anyway. Well, you know, I mean, there's if you look, if you ever looked at a prescription drug, there's that insert that comes with it, and you can look yes. at the potential side effects of the drugs. And um, the statistic uh, escapes my mind, but it's something like the average prescription drug contains a potential of like 50 or so side effects, right? Mm. Um, And so for me, I would rather go a more natural route, right? I mean, we know that some of these these herbs have even been studied to be just as effective as the prescription drugs or the -the over-the-counter, basically it's as effective as the synthetic drugs. So, for instance, Mm. um, peppermint, peppermint has been shown through studies to be as effective 
as aspirin and, and acetaminophen at relieving mm. tension headaches, right? Wow. But without all of the side effects and the other synthetic ingredients that can be added to that. You know, there's dyes, there's polysorbate 80, um, propylene glycol that are often added to some of these synthetic compound formulations. Um, And you can just get like organic, pure peppermint oil and do the same thing. So um, how would people, for people suffering from headaches and some of these things, why don't we get to the and give people some really good uh, uh, advice here, if possible. If people suffer from headaches and they want to try peppermint, how do they do that? Do they get peppermint oil? And where do they do they rub it on their head? What do they do? Yeah, so there's numerous ways that you can um, actually utilize these herbs. One of them is simply using aromatherapy. So you can get you know a good quality organic peppermint essential oil, and you can add a couple drops to like a diffuser or a vaporizer, and you mm-hmm. can just breathe it in through that aromatherapy. Um, and this is actually used now in some hospitals. Um, there was a study in 2016 that showed that inhaling peppermint oil was a first-line treatment for nausea in people huh. who were um, coming out of surgery from like cardiac surgery. Wow. Right, and it was it was shown to be very effective. Within two minutes of inhaling the peppermint oil, mm-hmm. um, the nausea rating significantly dropped. Um, like with five being the highest, it dropped to one point four. I mean, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's used for you know helping cancer patients to combat their nausea. And so one of the ways is the, the like I said, the aromatherapy. Um, you can consume it, um, but I will tell you at the end of each article um, in mm-hmm. this herbal series. There are precautions and possible indicate, um, interactions. You do want to uh-huh. read that section to make sure it's not going to interfere with like a medication that you're on, for instance. All right. Um, but other than that, one of my favorite ways to use peppermint oil is I dilute it. So I would take some organic fractionated coconut oil and I would put a couple drops of the peppermint oil in it. And um, you can put it in one of those glass containers with like a rollerball top. And mm-hmm. I actually, yeah. for, for, like, for headaches, I just rub it right underneath my nose so that I'm inhaling oh. it, and it, it kicks the headache. And also, if you're, say, you're fatigued, maybe you have a big presentation at work, um, and you're feeling a little bit tired, you can do the same thing. You can rub diluted organic peppermint oil under your nose, inhale it, and it has been shown through studies to promote alertness. Um, mm. You know, and and to decrease actually anxiety and fatigue. So it, it, while it's a, it has a good punch with it, you know, it's a good investment. <laughs> uh, I mean, sorry, there's a good return on your investment when you just yes. look into even just one herb because it has so many different applications behind it. Dr. McCullough, um, a lot of people, uh, aside from people who are sus- suspicious or skeptical, uh, let's talk about the use of herbs internally, because we know Chinese medicine has always had a lot of uh, herbs that people take internally. And I, just as an example, I know a lot of people, for some reason, maybe it's the processed foods that are that are getting IBS. When I was a kid, nobody had IBS. Now, tons of people have IBS, inflammatory bowel disease or a syndrome, one of those, IBS. So if you were uh, treating that person, what would you tell them to do to use herbs to calm down their, I guess, their uh, GI system? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. And actually, that was my first diagnosis from a Western medicine doctor in my 20s was irritable bowel syndrome. (laughs) How about that? And nobody has... A lot of yeah. So, what would you tell that person? Yes. So, um, I actually um, have used a lot of herbs to help people with digestive issues, and my first line of defense is to use them aromatically and topically, right? And not ingesting them because um, while I do ingest, um, and I'm, I'm talking about like the, the essential oils in this instant. All right, uh-huh. I, uh, it, it, ingesting essential oils takes um, a lot of in, instruction behind it. So you don't want to just start ingesting those. 
All right. If you're going to use an essential oil, I suggest mm-hmm. using them aromatically or mm-hmm. diluting them, and you can actually rub them topically. So one of the best um, treatments that we know of for irritable bowel syndrome in using essential oils is going to, again, be peppermint. You can breathe it in or you can also dilute it, like I mentioned previously, and you rub it directly on the abdomen. You know, just kind of massage it in there. And it helps with both diarrhea and constipation and helps with the motility through your gastrointestinal tract. So it helps actually move the feces through the tract. Um, So that's one of my favorites. Um, there are many different that can, different herbs itself that can help balance the gastrointestinal tract, the micro, microbiome in it, like the dandelion. Um, chicory can do this. Um, chicory, if you have like an infection in your gastrointestinal tract, then chicory can, has actually been shown to kill off some of these microbes, including E. coli, oh right? My. So it's very powerful. Um, so there's many that can help. Um, combat that, but I would say in combination with the herbals, dietary changes um, are often Mm -hmm. needed in order to actually relieve irritable bowel syndrome and to reverse any of the GI conditions that people are experiencing these days. If you uh, don't mind getting a little bit personal, we only have a couple minutes left. Um, What has helped you? Was, did you said that was your first diagnosis? But what helped you the most to uh, straighten yeah. out yours? We only have a minute. I'm sorry. I have to be really short because I want everybody to know where they can read your series. Oh, Where'd sure. No problem at all. <laughs> so w- what helped me the most after 20 years of looking for answers was basically going rogue. I went away from the Western <laughs> medical system and did, did the research myself. And I basically put together a roadmap for how to reverse autoimmune and chronic diseases. And it has wow. worked for every disease. And wow. it's uh, largely through diet changes, removing all grains, all of them, removing dairy, removing processed sugar, adding in the herbals, um, practicing gratitude. You have to get to the emotional root cause. Every disease has its own emotional root cause. And part of that is stress management. So it's a whole big pathway. And and I hope I got that in in less than a minute. (laughs) No, you did. And you know what? We have enough time because we now have one minute left uh, to have everybody find your articles and your series over there at the Epoch Times. Yes, so if you just go to the Epoch Times, um, Epoch Times website, um, you can type in my name. And the, all the articles I've written will pop up, including this Herbal First Aid Kit series. And then this one, um, there's six articles in this series. And now I'm working on another series of eight articles to help you create your own personal care products at home in order to reduce your toxic burden and your dependence on industry even more. (laughs) Very valuable. And I love your passion. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you'll come back, uh, Dr. C. Oh, I would love to. Great. Well, that does it for this edition. We got to go. Keep on spouting off every Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, and do it in your sphere of influence. We'll be back again next week.